Hello, Logic friends. This is Amanda Elliott, the host of episode 36 with Alex Wysota. Alex is a flamicist from New York, but currently lives in Los Angeles, California. Alex knew from a very young age that she wanted to be a compositor. So we dive right into her VFX work history from getting a job the day after graduating college to where she is today, assisting in flame. And we may have also chatted about motorcycles for a little bit. <laughs> also, stick around until the end to hear some of her amazing advice for younger artists trying to break into the industry. Hope you enjoy the episode. And now, a word from our sponsors. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to The Logic family our friends at HotSpring. HotSpring is the future of VFX outsourcing. HotSpring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at HotSpring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. Hey, it's Flame Assist Alex. How are you? It's been good. It's I can't believe how much rain LA's been getting. It's uh Dude. pretty wild. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. It's been cra- it's been crazy. I don't know what's been going on. I'm not a big fan. So I've been staying home and just watching the rainfall from inside my warm apartment. Warm apartment. Those are the keywords here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, absolutely. For sure. So where did you grow up? So I'm originally from the East Coast. Um, I was born and raised in New York. I was there for 22 years. And then I got an opportunity to come out to LA. I've been here since. Oh my gosh. This is great. I, I love talking to people just from different areas, not only of just the US, but just in dis- different areas of the world, I think is awesome. I interviewed someone from the UK the other day, so that was really oh, awesome. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's very fun trying to just get a time set up because the time difference, that's always interesting. Oh, uh, but God. I think just overall, just chatting about fun stuff about like, I don't know, work and just life stuff in general is yeah. very interesting with someone on, on different parts of the world. I like it. Oh, God. I'm sure the uh, the lifestyle is very different too because there's just the priorities are very different from one side of the pond to the other. But literally, yeah, it's different priorities on different things. And it's just fun chatting with people from all around. And I was asking you where you were from, though, too, just kind of going back to driving. (laughs) Because I grew up in the Midwest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, where in the Midwest? I actually grew up in Michigan right next to the border of Canada. So I was very fortunate to grow up in both countries. Oh, where, where in Michigan? Oh, okay. So uh, I'm yeah. putting my hand just like we're both putting our hand up. Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like here and then north. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. 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 But I also lived in a lot of different areas in Michigan as oh. well. I actually lived in Detroit too for a little while. I lived uh, in oh, Southfield because wow. I went to school there. And then living that close to Canada, you get the chance to be able to go back and forth between both countries. And which I did that a lot because when I was younger, it was very advantageous for people to live in one country and be right. able to go back and forth or work in another, I think, as my parents did. So yeah, it was easier to to do that, to live in one country and be able to... It's like almost living in Santa Monica, but going to Culver every day. It's kind of, kind of the same thing. You know, it's like a good like 15 whatever minute drive. It's just you happen to be in a different yeah. country. That was my life growing exactly. up. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, that makes complete sense. The last time I was in Michigan, I was actually up in Ann Arbor because my mother went to law school in at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mason... You know, the, the, all those fun colors and all the Wolverine fans up there. Yeah. So that's like the only time I've really been in Michigan. And I, it's a really beautiful state, mm-hmm. but I, I have not been there since. And it's been a, quite a while. And I, sh- I need to go back at some point, but haven't been able to do that yet. I do miss it. It's a very pretty state. I miss the seasons. Yeah. People from the Midwest, that's one of the biggest complaints when they move out to California is they miss the seasons. And I really, really do. Do you know Renee Tim? Because she's actually in Michigan right now. And she posts the most yeah. beautiful pictures on her Instagram. And I'm just like, 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 love, like. <laughs> like I love all of them. It makes me miss the weather right. so much, the season changing. And witnessing all of that too, like the leaves. Leaves are a big deal in Michigan. Yeah. You go, you drive around and you watch the leaves change. I remember that being like a sport as a kid <laughs> with my parents. That's what you do. You get in the car and you look at the leaves. <laughs> That's the best though. I, New England, so I did a lot of traveling because... Because I played softball as a young adult. And a lot of my springs and summers and falls, we did a lot of traveling up to the New England region, like Massachusetts, Connecticut, Maine even. And my favorite time to play softball, despite how cold it was, 
was the fall because you got to see all the leaves changing. And it was so fun. Like you got to be in the car for a couple hours and you had some really beautiful sights. And I'm the same boat as you. I, I really do miss mm-hmm. the seasons. It's just, it's so nice to have that changing of the se- uh, uh, changing of the weather. You don't really get that out here. Like I, I like being out here for other reasons, you know, riding down the PCH is always really fun. Having basically zero bad weather days. I can go on my bicycle. I can go on the motorcycle. You know, I can do a bunch of things. But that being said, I, I do miss the winter and the fall. I, I miss the snow in a lot of For ways. Sure. So, And there's something about growing up in it and leaving it and then like coming back back to it. I, I don't know what it is, but when I first moved to Cali, I was like, oh yeah, done digging my car to the snow. I'm out of here. <laughs> and then I find myself like, I'll go back and visit once in a while. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's not so bad. Like, you know, I know it kind of sucks once in a while. Yeah. But like, this is great. It's really fun the energy the smells the colors yeah i kind of miss that stuff it's very nostalgic in a lot of ways it is very much speaking of which you said something very important i heard the word motorcycle a second ago yeah we (laughs) talked about this yeah we gotta talk about this (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so i you know it's funny because i'm still i'm 28 right now so i'll be turning 29 this year, uh, which is crazy to think about, but <laughs> I know, I know I say that's like, wow, you're very young. Uh, no, it, it's, I think it's really crazy because I said to myself two, I think it was two years ago. No. Uh, yes. Two years ago. So 2021, I basically told myself, I was like, I want to get my license before I turn 30. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I've always wanted to do. And I never got to, you know, I never got to do it when I was younger because I just wasn't in a good financial position. Um, and I didn't have the means to do it. And I took it really seriously and I got my license in 2021. Uh, I got my first motorcycle, which was a vintage Triumph. Um, it was in a, oh yeah, it was in a 2004, so it's almost 20 years old. Um, it was their American version of the Triumph. So it was before they had the, bo- like before they had the, um, the Speedmasters and stuff. So it was really, mm-hmm. it was an older model and it was this beautiful, it was a hand painted tank. It was before they manufactured everything out of England. There was a whole, it was this really beautiful bike. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this bike is so pretty and I don't want to ride it because it's my first bike. And even though I got a really good deal on it, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, God forbid. So then I sold that. <laughs> <laughs> I sold that. And then I got the the Trident and I had that mm-hmm. for about a year and I loved it. Um, but then, yeah, it was super fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, because of some life circumstances, I had to get, I had to sell it. And that was very, very sad. So now I just have a Vespa and it's not really the same thing, but it still gives me the joy of opening the throttle. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. Uh, but it's not the same. And I'm hoping to get a new bike in the garage probably in the next year or two. I don't know what it's going to be. I just know it's going to be really fun when I open that throttle on the PCH. Oh, you betcha. And when you get that bike, you call me. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. You call me. We're going in the canyons, man, for sure. That's yeah. exactly what we're oh. going to do. We're going to go on Decker Canyon. We're going to go all the Malibu Road. We're going to take it all to Topanga. I don't even care. Wherever you want to oh, go. Oh, no. <laughs> Honestly, doing Mulholland. So one of my favorite rides on the bike was doing Mulholland at like mm-hmm. 6, 30, 7 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday when there was no one on the road. And you Ooh. got the nice sunrise. Oh, it was so good, especially in the fall, winter, because it was still late enough in the morning that it, people were still kind of sleeping in. Mm-hmm. But it was cold enough that I wasn't uh, – or it wasn't too cold that I was freezing. So – it was perfect. And I got to sit out there. I got to the peak. I got to have a couple, my bottle of water or even a cup of coffee. And then I just go down and uh, get back home. It was really fun. Wow. I am taking notes right now. <laughs> that is, it's early for a Sunday, but you know what? The way you're describing it, I, I think I'm going to give that a try. Have you Have you ever been down Mulholland? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I usually don't go until like 11 o'clock though. I was going to say, I was like... <laughs> Yeah. So if you go in the early mornings, there's no one and it's just you Mm. on the road and it's really, really pretty. And I think the last time I did it, it was me and one other car and that was it. And it was so fun. And you basically have the whole road to yourself and you can kind of just take your time to meander through Mulholland and uh, there's no traffic on the road. So it's just you basically. And uh, it's really magical and it's something else because very few times do you really get to experience LA when it's that quiet. Um, I think the only other time of year that I really got to appreciate riding in LA in a way that I never have was on Thanksgiving day because everyone's out of town and it's basically Christmas day too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's basically just you and locals and that's it. And it's, it's very, very, very cool. And I got to do the PCH and go through the canyons up in Malibu uh, Thanksgiving this last year. And it was incredible. And I was like, I need to do this more often. <laughs> Man, 
Oh, this is great. Oh, I can't write. I think I'm going on a ride this Saturday, like a nice long one somewhere in the canyons. I don't know. Maybe even, maybe even Ojai. I'm not sure just yet where we're going, but I'm clearing my day and we're, we're getting out. We're doing this rain, man. I hope you enjoy <laughs> it. Yeah. I, especially with all this rain going to be done by then. I think it should be stopped raining on Wednesday, which will be good. Good. Oh, I need it to dry up too. I, I just got my bike back, uh, Back in July last year, it's a two thousand five oh, so pretty recent. Bonneville. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty recent. <laughs> it's another vintage and, bike. Oh man, but it, it's such a fun story. So my best friend Glenn Bennett, he's another flame artist too. He's been riding motorcycles like forty years, right? Longer than I've been oh, alive. A long time. <laughs> he's been riding them a long time. So I've been a passenger with him, maybe like I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Just you know, oh, wow. it, like I, I was like kind of kicking and screaming to get on the bike to even be a passenger at first. He's like, just right. give it a try, just give it a try. I'm like, okay, I got the helmet on. Okay, okay, got the jacket. I'm all bundled up, right? And then I get on the back of the bike and I'm like squeezing the life out of him. And he's like, okay, you need to relax a little bit. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> but you know, I'm just, oh, okay, it's fine. And we like go around the block a little bit. I'm like, oh, fine everything's fine. We're good. You're good. You're good. I'm good. And then like a couple more times you get on the bike, go a little bit longer and I'm kind of like loosening my grip and enjoying it a little bit more. So being a passenger for so long. And then he said, and then I remember one day he's like, you know, you're going to get your own bike. And I was like, no, (laughs) no way. I don't need my own bike. This is fine. He's like, nah, dude, it's just, there's something different about it. You're going to love it. You're absolutely going to love it. It's freeing. Just, you know, that everything that they say, but it's true. It is. So he's saying, we're going to get your own bike and get your own bike. I'm like, no, no, no. So years go, a couple years go by. Then all of a sudden, you know, and Callie's like, I found this really cool bike on Cycle Trader. You should check it out. <laughs> and I look at it. I'm like, it's kind of cool. Okay. He's like, well, you got to get your motorcycle license first. I'm like, okay. So I go, I, I do that. And I'm like, you know what? I'll just, I'm going to get my license just so I know more about safety and I'm not as scared on your bike. <laughs> you know, I'm just any reason for me not to think it's to like for it. me, for my own bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to know the rules better kind of thing. So I take the course and it's the first time I'm actually riding a bike. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't bad. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay. And then my course, uh, the, the course was online and on actual riding the bike. And it yep. rained two out of the three days. So I'm <sighs> learning how to ride a motorcycle for the first time on the in driving the course in the pouring rain. I didn't have any gear, like proper rain gear, anything. I just had like a leather jacket, Ooh. boots, and I bought. I just bought a new helmet. Oh gosh. It was, yeah, it was, but they don't have you do anything crazy. You're going maybe five miles an hour turns, nothing too crazy. Oh, see, yeah, they did not do that for my class. They're like, go 25 in like a 40 foot parking lot. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and they do the emergency stops. Oh no, like it was crazy. They had us in second gear at one point, which makes sense because they want us to shift up and shift down. Yeah. And we were in second gear and they do the emergency stop test to basically make sure you can brake with your front and rear brake without skidding because they're obviously much older bikes that you ride on. They're like 250s. Oh, uh, yeah, CCs yeah. They're so old. like that. So they're really old. So like you don't have ABS or anything. So like you basically got to like squeeze the life out of the brakes to make sure you don't go cr- or crashing. And I remember the woman that was running the class, because it was an older woman, and it was super cool. She was like an ADV rider. She traveled all over the country and all over the world doing ADV rides. And she basically like, every summer after I finish up at the schools, I go on these trips. And I'm like, that's that's pretty badass. So it was, it was very cool. But anyway, so she's standing there with her arms out. And she's way, and she's basically like ushering me to go. So she's like, okay. And she puts her hand up like this to go into second gear. So I'm going in second gear. I must have been less than 20 feet from her when she finally put her hands down to break. And I remember like almost shitting my pants because I was like, (laughs) I'm going to hit this poor woman and she's like 70 years old and she's going to die and I'm going to be wanted for murder. Like, oh my God. And I hit the brakes (laughs) and I was able to stop in time. And I stopped like, you know, two feet in front of her. And she looks at me and she goes, you could have braked later than that. I was like, what? I was like, I don't want to kill you. She had, it was unbelievable how she had nerves of steel. It was crazy and it was great i mean like I, i'll never Ooh. forget it yeah that that definitely gave me some panic and you learned you learned a valuable lesson that day <laughs> yeah emergency braking is great with front and rear brake <laughs> <laughs> but man these first two days it was pouring and like <sighs> i don't even know if we went to second gear i don't even know but i do remember the third day finally cleared up a little bit yeah. all right cool and then that's when we had to do like straight away stuff and turns and that's mm. when they you know finally got to go to second gear downshift like where's neutral <laughs> like where like <laughs> <laughs> can't find neutral <laughs> but like man so so yeah so did the course and then and then my friend glenn you know he's just like oh yeah i found found this bike check it out i'm like oh it's cool you know it's, but i don't really know that much about bikes i'm just like it looks cool it's a cool green color 
yay. And it's a triumph because he's British. So of course I got to get a British bike, right? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's He has a Harley like street glide and he also has two 73 Hurricanes too. So it's a lot of work. So we so he sends me the link to the bike and I and I email them like hey I'm interested in this bike and they're like all right cool we'll come down and take a look but mind you I'm living in the valley and it's down in like Torrance <sighs> so I happen to yeah so on the weekends Glenn's like okay all right let's go we're gonna check out this bike and bring your checkbook like, what do you mean bring my checkbook we're just gonna go look at the bike why do I need to bring my checkbook just bring your checkbook okay so we brought our helmets we brought our gloves because we were gonna ride it. We get there and my friend's checking it out and he's doing all the checks, right? He's like pushing on the handlebars, you know, he's like looking at everything on like the chain and all yeah. that stuff. And he's like, it's in really good condition. And and then we're looking at it and we're like, oh, this is different kind of carbs. Like what? And there's a sticker that says for racing only. Like the guy souped it up. It's almost 900 cc's. Like oh I was just like, gosh. and I don't understand any of this at the time. And I'm like, I don't want, okay, but, but looks cool, right? And he's like, all right, hop on. We're going for a ride. <laughs> we go for a ride. My friend just guns it. So there's no <laughs> sissy bar. There's no backrest. I'm hanging on for dear life again, just like back to day one. And oh we're just going gosh. around like torrents. And I was like, this is a lot of fun. He's like, oh yeah, you're getting this bike. You're getting this. If you don't get this bike, I'm going to get this bike. You're getting this bike. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, okay. And so we, we get back and my friend's asking him all these questions about what about this? All these questions. Yeah. And finally, my friend Glenn is like, you're getting the bike. I'm like, okay. So I'm sitting down, I'm writing a check and I get, get all this stuff and, and we're done. And I'm like, did I just freaking buy a bike? And he's like, yes, you did. And I get to ride at home. <laughs> So he's just basically like, you get to drive your car back home and I get to drive this home. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just bought a bike. So yeah, so that happened. And then I, I drove my car all the way back and, and he was still gone driving. He drove it <laughs> up and down the freeways and gunned it and just drove it all. He came back like two and a half hours later. Oh my God. Man, I love this bike. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't understand. I don't get it. What is so special about this bike? But here's the thing. Now I get it. Now I understand. <laughs> now you understand. <laughs> So when I had the Trident, there was one, so my, my boyfriend is really into cars and I really enjoy motorcycles. Not Probably not as much as most uh, motorcycle riders. I'm still not very good at doing maintenance myself, but I understand the the, the bare bones of it. I still never do it mm -hmm. on my own with fuel injected. I, I would just take it to a shop mm -hmm. unless I got a R9T and then I would do it because all the engines right there. So just to take everything out and do the valves is super easy, but I'm not doing that anytime soon. So mm -hmm. I had the Trident. So he has this souped up Audi. He he came with me down the PCH. We were going down the PCH. It was like a Sunday. It was beautiful. It was really, really fun. Nice day. We're going back home at this point. So we're like, we've been out for like two, three hours, actually probably more. So like four, four hours or so. And he's like, okay, we got to go back. We have the dog, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. Yeah, you're right. We got to go back. We have things to do. So <laughs> as we're going down the PCH, he floor it was like basically white there's no one on the road at that point there's no which is weird there's no one on the tenant going back to downtown so he guns it and i'm in fifth gear going 70 and i'm like i can probably go faster on this and i go into <laughs> six and i open up the throttle and i can't even tell you i how hard i was gripping the handles bars because i was like if i fly off this bike i'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> and I just opened the and I opened the throttle in sixth gear and I was like, holy shit, this is un and it was the only time I've ever gone that fast on a motorcycle. And after that, I was like, Ooh. yeah, no, not for me. I'm, I'm I got my I got it in once. I'm good. I'm very happy going at like the speed limit and like a little bit faster than that. Mm -hmm. So now it's like I try to be safe, but I got I got my little uh my little hoon demons, if you will, out Ooh. in that one that one throttle. And I was like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> Done. How many CCs was your Trident? The Trident was six sixty. So the try it's a little naked bike and it's, it's a super yeah it's a, it's a super fun bike it's really compact and it's a standard so it was super comfortable and a really wide seat which is great and I really I, I mean like I loved it it was such a great bike for a proper first bike if you will I like standard bikes but I don't think that was the right bike for me like I prefer the look of the Bonnies and the Speed Twins so my next bike is probably going to be one of those if I have to take a guess mm -hmm. the XSR 900 from Yamaha looked really great Ooh, yeah it's not the same character and I sat on it that seat is so uncomfortable I couldn't do it oh okay All right. yeah it's really unfortunate <laughs> I mean it's really beautiful in person but um, and there's a lot of really cool tech under the hood but I I, I had one on deposit to bring home and I was like, I'm never going to be able to ride this because I'm not going to enjoy it the way I should be enjoying it. So Ooh. I had to pass. But I'll get my T120 or a Speed Twin at some point. Who knows? 
Oh man, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Yeah, I know. I know. It's either going to be that or a BMW and then I'm going to go with a boxer engine, but I don't know. I'm not really sure. I, I really want to have cruise control because it's nice to have it. The only thing that really is a pain is using the clutch in the city because a lot of my, when I was still commuting, I had to go from Culver all the way to Marina Del Rey and just sitting in traffic with my hands, squeezing the clutch for however mm-hmm. long, because I never sat in neutral, God forbid something happened. So uh, having my hand over the clutch the entire time really tires your hand out. I'm like, this is just really not as fun as I wish it was uh, sitting in traffic. It's way more fun when you're on the road and you're actually riding. For sure, for sure. So around town, I have a little uh, DCT on, like, on the scooter and that's been great. But at some point I need to get something bigger because I just, I miss it so much. So I was going to say, it kind of scratches the itch like a little bit. It's not really the same. It, it, it's fun. Like it's so great around LA because- you could still weave through traffic and the profile width wise is so slim that I have a much easier time going between cars and lane splitting and filtering on the Vespa that I ever did on the Trident. And the Trident was never wide to begin with, but it's just so much easier. It, it, there's there's definitely pros, but it's, it's never going to be the same as just opening the throttle on the interstate and just mm-hmm. gutting it. <laughs> I like going fast on certain sections, but I like to, I actually enjoy taking my time because it's about the ride. So. Well, it is about the ride. Yeah, exactly. I have the bar end mirrors that stick out uh, left and right. So they don't, they don't go up. They don't go down. They stick out Mm -hmm. every once in a while when I'm lane splitting, I hear like, like dunk and it's my mirror Uh. getting flipped back because I'm hitting someone else's mirror. They're designed to flip. They're not going to cause any damage, but I'm just worried about like, what if I do that to the wrong person and they flip out and follow me or something? It's just, that, it literally causes no damage. They they flip so easy, but yeah, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to piss anybody off. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going to get new mirrors that go up uh, on my bike, but yeah. You don't want to risk it. We can talk for hours about this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we really can. We really can. But speaking of, uh, speaking of tech. Yeah. Dude. I'm looking at your LinkedIn. You got a lot of cool stuff going on here. Oh. The 3D, 2D generalist. What is the sweet tooth animation? Just back in 2012, why don't you tell us how you got like started in the industry and, and, and go from there? We'd love to hear about your adventure. Yeah, sure. So I started out um, in college. I really loved animation as a medium in general. Um, and it was one of those things that I kind of fell into by accident. But it was a happy accident for sure. And I once I started in it, I never really left. And I kind of wanted to learn a little bit of everything. So when I was still an undergrad, I took it upon myself to start learning Maya and 3ds Max, more Autodesk tools, and just on the other side of the creative spectrum, if you will. And uh, I sunk my teeth in and I thought I want to go into CG. I really enjoyed the process. It was really cool. I loved go- doing texturing. I loved all of it. So I did some work in college for Sweet Tooth and it was a lot of just college film stuff, but it was really a great introduction into working with other people in a group environment in the same room for long periods of time. And it was really interesting just to see the different workflows and characters come out, you know, in the late night hours. And I really got addicted to that, being in the camaraderie with a bunch of people in the room. And from there, I was like, well, I wonder what else is out there. And after college, I... Well, actually, I shouldn't even say after college. Um, My senior year, I got an internship out in LA and it was for editing. And I had done editing in undergrad a little bit because I was just so enamored with everything. I wanted to try everything. So I I knew the workflow, but I never actually got to see it in a real studio environment and see everyone collaborate together until this internship. And this internship ended up landing me a job later on, which I will get to in a bit, but it was an amazing introduction into a post-production world. Granted, it was not live action or VFX. It was actually 2D animation, but regardless, it it really hammered home the point that I want to be a part of this. I really want to be a part of this field because it, it, it was so interesting and it was so creative and there's so many people from different backgrounds and it was just a very diverse environment and nothing that I had ever seen before. So I had the internship. I loved it. And while I was in the internship, I started getting into compositing because it was something that they exposed me to in After Effects in the internship. And I liked it, but I was thinking to myself, I can't imagine that every studio works with After Effects. There's got to be another tool. And I started Mm -hmm. doing research. I heard about Flame, but it was never as accessible to me 
at the time because it, it just wasn't possible because a lot of people when I was still in undergrad and going coming out of undergrad and graduating, it wasn't as accessible as it is now. So I found Nuke. I found a bunch of tutorials and I got to it and I started learning Nuke. I started doing a lot of practice comps at home and getting understanding the fundamentals of uh, comping with merge nodes in Nuke, which is the comp node in Flame and kind of going A over B and learning all the different mathematics and you know what it comes to tracking and green screen removal and roto and cleanup and all the things that you kind of learn when you're getting your feet wet. And I loved it. And it was something that I was like, wow, I think I like this way more than I do CG. And I stuck with it. And it was kind of once I got into it, I just never looked back. And I was like, CG, great, but not <laughs> not for me anymore. So where are you at in your timeline when you were learning new? Where were you working at? So I was still in my internship at Titmouse. And it was stuff that I was doing on the side. So while I was there doing some editorial work, some After Effects, I'm just doing some background stuff behind the scenes and seeing how the post-production side worked. I was also in my dorm room learning Nuke and learning how to composite. So after this internship, which was an amazing experience overall, and I'm very glad that I had the opportunity to do it, I was coming upon my graduation. And I was like, well, I better start applying to places because I'm not really quite sure where I want to land. I just know I want to be in this world and I want to composite. I just don't know where to start. So a friend of mine, a family friend, she had a connection at the mill in New York. And she said, well, let me get you in touch. And I very fortunately was able to land a junior compositing role there as a nuke artist. And it was more like a, a launch pad, but basically it was a test run for a couple months to see if I had the chops to be there as a comp artist in nuke. And, uh, go from there. So that's pretty much where everything took off, I would say. And really, if it weren't for this person to help me get to the studio, I don't know if I would ever have broken into the industry the way that I have. And it was very fortuitous for me that I had a connection in that regard. It was actually funny enough that I didn't know I had the connection until my parents had mentioned, hey, this friend from when you were like five years old is at the mill. You should go talk to oh, her. Wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, it was really crazy. It was a very, I was very, very lucky because a lot of people from my hometown were not really into VFX. It wasn't very a creative town. It was mostly computer science and engineers and doctors and lawyers. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of people going into the arts. So I was very, very, very lucky. And uh, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity. Yeah, and I I guess I caught the attention of the, one of the creative directors and he liked my reel, he liked my work that I put together while I was still in undergrad. And uh, <laughs> I was there for about four months, I believe. It was literally the day after I graduated. It was, I think, Mother's Day. It was Mother's Day weekend. And <laughs> it was a Sunday when I graduated. And the day after, I started working. And I basically just haven't wow. stopped since then. Yeah, I, like I said, it was very quick timing. But I knew if I wasn't going to take this, I was I was going to lose the opportunity. I was never going to get this chance again. So I, I have to take it. Mm -hmm. Rather than taking like a gap year or a year off or something like that and traveling, it's, you had that opportunity to work right away. Exactly. Yeah. And it was great because originally when I interviewed, they wanted to put me as a runner. And I, I had expected that because I knew that was kind of the way to get in was you start out as a runner and then you build your way up and you go from there. But I guess the creative, like I said, the creative director, I liked my reel enough. And he said, you know what? I want to put you in the launch pad program and see what you can do there. And so I basically skipped the runner phase, which I still baffled by to this day. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, it was pretty crazy because I was at 21. I was like, wow, is this really what they, okay, all right, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> it's fine. And the day after I graduated, I started working in comp and I was a nuke artist and uh, it was an amazing, amazing experience. I learned so much from a lot of people and it was, that was my first exposure to flame. What is the Launchpad program? Yeah, so it was basically something that, because I was at the mill. And I'm, I, that's not the, probably the technical term. I'm, it's something else. But the, the idea was you would bring in fresh graduates, people that were coming right out of college or grad school who showed an aptitude for whatever the department was. So in this case, it was compositing. It was 2D. But they had this same program for 3D and they had it for marketing. And it was basically their version of an internship, but you got you got paid, which is great. So it was really nice. It was kind of a step above the internship, but not full-fledged staff, like a junior artist. But you had that kind of that in between. So you get to kind of get your toes wet and see if you have the chops to, uh, to work at the studio. So 
that time period, you know, that three, four months, it was really revolutionary for me because it was my previous time at the previous studio, uh, Titmouse. It was a great introduction to post, but being at the mill was a phenomenal introduction into all things compositing and being in a proper VFX pipeline and seeing how things start from the ground up. And it was one of those experiences I'm so glad I had because it really shaped my, I think my trajectory for the following years and basically where I am now. So it was a great, great opportunity. And I learned so much and so many of my fundamentals and theoretical practices and how to approach comps came from that time period. And it was very rewarding in a lot of ways, despite how short it was and definitely had the long hours even then. And I worked, you know, with five or six artists in the same room. And it was amazing because even then it was all women. I had an all women team. Yeah. And even, I know this was 2016, the end of 2016. So not that long ago, Um, Mm -hmm. but it was still amazing to have a whole room of just women that the lead flame Mars was a woman. Uh, All the compers and nuke were also women. And it was just a really amazing experience to be able to work on a team just with all women. It was very, very cool. That's nice. I mean, I've heard yeah. really things about the mill too. So hearing that, it's kind of, that's really awesome. Yeah, it was super cool. And it was really interesting to meet so many people from so many walks of life because it was so much of my time in undergrad, it was with a lot of people that were local. And while I knew that New York was obviously a big melting pot of cultures and people from all walks of life, it was really cool to see that in practice because obviously the mill is a London headquartered studio. And it was cool to have all these different people, you know, from Australia and New Zealand and England having people, some people were from down the street. They grew up in Queens and they just basically took the E-train to the office. Uh, Some people were from Taiwan and they were moved there for the first time, like five months ago. And they were just, yeah, it was, it was amazing. And it was just such a great opportunity to work with people. And while I really loved it, being at the studio and it was a great learning experience. I ended up getting a call from the last studio that I interned at Titmouse, And they said, Hey, we would like you to come back and work as an assistant editor on this show. And we want you to come down and uh, work for us for like eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I remember thinking to myself, I lived in New York my whole life. I can always come back, but I I don't think I'll be able to ever do this again because I already had an in. And I Mm -hmm. told my parents, I said, I really loved my time in New York, but I, I got to do this. And uh, I drove, took, packed up all my stuff and I drove all the way across the country <laughs> to uh, to LA. And I've basically been working out here since. And from there, from the assistant editorial job, I went into VFX editing at Framestore. Oh, wow. So this so this is cool, actually, your timeline already. So you went from, uh, the, we were at Sweet Tooth Animation, that was, looks like 2012, 2015. And then you were at Titmouse for post-production assistant 2016, uh, for four months, and then you're a junior compositor at the Mill, four months, New York, and now you're talking about being back in LA, assistant editor at Titmouse again from 2016, 2017. Yeah, and you're only there for seven months, right on on the show. Yeah, yeah. What show was this? It was um, the show got canceled off the first season, but it was Son of Zorn, and it was <laughs> a show on cable. Yeah, it was a show on cable. <laughs> it was a good one. And uh, it was it was it was crazy. It was a really interesting job, and. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was nice to be back at the studio with people that I already knew. And it was a really cool experience working on the job. It was unfortunate that it got canned after the first season, but it was still a great learning experience. And I'm glad that I did it because my following job after that, I had a small gap because I was looking for employment and I had applied to Framestore and I applied to their launch pad, their, their internship program. Nice. Another good place. Yeah. And the creative director saw my resume. He saw my reel and he said, why are you applying for the internship program? <laughs> and I said, well, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> right? sure where I landed. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, what fits me best at this point because I've done, I did so much before getting mm-hmm. to Framestore. You know, I, I did new compositing. I was an assistant editor. Uh, I did After Effects. I had done CG. I, I wasn't sure. I knew I wanted to get back to Flame. I knew that in the back of my mind, that's still something I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to get there at that point because I had zigzagged into so many departments and so many different jobs to, up to that point. And I remember meeting with the creative director at the studio and he goes, all right, well, I lovely meeting with you and we'll get back to you. And I was like, internally, I said to myself, well, that's it. I got to go back to the drawing board. And a couple, and about a month later, one of the HR reps got back to me and said, Hey, we don't, we're not doing the internship program this summer. However, we have an opening in our VFX editorial department and we think you'd be a great fit. 
would, would you be interested in hearing about it? And I said, absolutely. Nice. And I kind of one thing led to another and I fell into that. And I was a VFX editorial person <laughs> for about two and a half years at Framestar. And I, that, I, I think the mill was a great, you know, Titmouse and the mill were great because it was such a great opening introductory experience. But being at Framestar for the two and a half years that I was, was just such a interesting journey, but also it was the the best thing that could have happened because I really cut my teeth on conforming, on client sessions, on delivering, on we had to get this to the color team, you know, we got to get the EDLs prep and the AAF. So it was a lot of really wow, great. you did it all. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did. I did a lot. And it was, nice. it was great because it really set me up for now. And I, and I really truly believe that had I not had the zigzagging between different departments, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think I would have been as prepared as I am now to have to do what I do now. And I think that's been a really wonderful experience in a lot of very interesting ways. It's obviously not the most conventional way to get to flame, but it ended up working out in the end and I'm really glad it did. So um, while I was at Framestore, uh, I did all this conform stuff. And I remember watching the flame artist work. And I remember thinking back to when I was still at the mill in 2016. And I was like, man, I still really love it. I still really want to learn it. And I <laughs> met some amazing flame artists and they basically sat me and I built a rapport with them. And I said, listen, I'm not looking to get on the box like this second, but I'd love to see what the interface is like. And I'd love to actually get a little bit more exposure to the software and see how you work and uh, maybe shadow a client session or two to see how you run the session. And there were some flame artists who were really gracious and they let me, they took me under their wing and they showed me the ropes. And all the while I was still doing the VFX editorial, I was still doing all the conforms and the updates. And we have this prep that needs to be done for color flame artists and whomever. And it was amazing. And it was such a great, introduction to flame and i remember thinking to myself this is it i know what i want to do after this and i i know what my 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 path is and i know where i want to go and that and i got hooked and it was a super fun time for me to with all these really creative and wonderful people Mm -hmm. it it was amazing it really was and towards the end of my time there i realized that if i wanted to progress in my career i had to change studios and i knew that it wasn't going to be an easy transition because you go from strength to strength Mm -hmm. and then where where do you go from where do you go from there basically and uh (laughs) and i ended up at psyop nice Another good company. <laughs> You're on a roll. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and, um, you know, I interviewed with them and it was funny because they were like, wow, you really know all these softwares? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very interesting path to get here. But, uh, oh, oh, do, do tell. So you've got, you've got Flame, you've got Nuke. I have, what else so you got under Flame, your belt? Nuke, Photoshop, Illustrator, After Effects, Premiere, Nuke Studio, Hero, Maya, uh, 3DS Max. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple others, but those those are the the, the main ones. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. I'm yep, sorry. Sorry. I didn't sorry. realize. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> uh, but it, unfortunately, you know, it's funny. I say that now. I'm like, wow, it really is a lot of software. That's it's not usually normal. Um, <laughs> now that you kind of say it all in order. Yeah, like that. you're like, wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's honestly, but again, I, it's really helped me get into flame more because a lot of times I hear people say that Flame is really hard to get into because the interface is so different than anything else on the market. And while I do think the learning curve to get into Flame is a little bit steeper just because it's a very unique piece of software, I think having the background in all the different programs that I did allowed me to be able to switch into a new interface because essentially, you know, compositing, theoretically speaking, is all the same, you know, the same principles of, I don't know, what's the best way to, to roto this person or what's the best way to key. It's the same principles. It's just a different skin, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped me get into flame because while it was still a little daunting in its own ways, how to handle a timeline, how to conform, how to deal with retimes or matching first and last frame of a cut point, like that kind of stuff I already had known because of my previous experience. It was just in a different software. So just at that point, it wasn't necessarily learning the theories. It was just learning how to use the software correctly. And I still, honestly, there's still some ways in Flame that I'm like, wow, I never thought of doing it that way. And it's like, unless you uh, have more time with the box and you really get to see that stuff happen in real time, you would never know it exists because there's just so many hidden little features. And I, and I love that about the software, but it's definitely sometimes you forget that you can do the same thing like 10 different ways. 
you're explaining that very beautifully. Like oh, everything you just said thanks. in the past, what, five minutes is amazing. How you said different skins, it, it, you're doing kind of the same thing, how you're going about the same thing in different softwares. You, you handled that very beautifully. I like how you said that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think that um, that a lot of VFX in general is a lot of the same fundamentals at the end of the day. It's the same principles, no matter if you are in CG or 2D or production, like there's still a song and dance that you have to do to get the job done. And whether you're doing it texturing or you're doing it by doing some green screen removals and CG integration, it all comes together in this really amazing way. And that before and after of when you start with like a green screen to the end result, it still amazes me to this day just to see all these people come together and create the final result. It's just a very, it's still a very magical experience to me after yeah. all these years. And while there's definitely a lot of stress and a lot of times I'm like, God, this is just so much work. It's so very, like what you stress? look back and you take a step back, <laughs> you take a step back and you're like, wow, all right, this is pretty cool. And it, it's just, it's been, it's been a very fun journey, a very stressful journey. Yeah. I've been very, very fortunate to end up where I am now. And you've been at SIOP now for what looks like almost four years. Yeah. So I started out in the summer. I started there at the summer 2019. How's that treating you? It's been great. It's been a very different experience because it was the, I don't want to say it was the first time that a company took a chance on me because that's not true. But it was the first time for me that I was able to really take initiative and like actually say, you know what, I do know this stuff because a lot of my previous experience, and this is no one's fault except my own, because I was in my own head, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of it was like, well, I'm just still learning, you know, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. And I, I still felt like that kid in college who wasn't sure what they wanted to do with their life. And they were still trying to figure out all the different softwares. When I was at SIOP, I was like, no, like I know this, like I can do this. And I finally took ownership and said, I, and I believed in myself for the first time. And I, it really helped me project myself into my career now. And it's been a very rewarding experience because when I started at SIOP, I was actually in their data operations department. I ended up in their head of their data operations, so their DMG department. And I worked my way into Flame. And I didn't officially get into Flame until I think May or June of 2022. Officially was when my title was changed. But prior to that, I had started working more in Flame and doing deliveries and prepping slates, adding master audio to picture uh, in timelines and archives. And, and I started doing a lot more of it, but I never, like, it didn't become official, official until a couple months ago. Which is very weird to think about considering how much has happened between <laughs> June of 2022 to now. But it's like, I, I still sometimes mm-hmm. take a step back. And I'm like, wow, how did we get here? <laughs> how do you feel your past experiences have helped you to where you are at SIOP today? Yeah, I feel like because I was exposed to so many different workflows, I think it really brought uh, a sense of knowledge with me coming into the studio because I had mentioned it before. It was the first time that I ever felt like I could take ownership or something. And I said, I, I can do this, not because someone believes in me, but I believe in me for the first time. And it was a, a really magical epiphany moment, excuse me, um, when I was like, wow, like I, I know this. And I think because I had so much experience doing so many different things, it really helped me bring a lot more to the table. I remember distinctly at one point at my beginning tenure at the studio, they had a workflow set up. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, this could be done so much better. Like we, we can make this better and be more efficient. And I remember it was the, it was the first time in my entire career where I said, I'm going to speak to somebody about this because I know that I have the experience to help contribute to make this better. And it ended up working out and the management was like, wow, this is a great idea. We should definitely implement this. And I took initiative and I made it happen. And I I don't think having the background that I did would have prepped me for working with so many kinds of people. Like I think being in different departments and being in different environments and meeting all these kinds of people, you really forces you to be able to work with all sorts of people. And I think handling different personalities because everyone knows VFX has some very big personalities and that's okay because it's just, it comes with a job. It's a very creative field. Mm -hmm. And I think having the background that I did really helped me navigate those conversations, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but it, it really forced me to come from a different perspective on things because I wasn't just coming in as an artist. I was coming in as somebody 
who was an editor, who was in CG, who was in uh, conforming. I, I came from all, I had all this experience and it allowed me to think of stuff, not from just an artistic perspective, but from also a technical perspective. And I think that really helped me kind of see the picture as a whole, rather than just from one side of the coin. Being more well-rounded in different areas definitely is going to help you in the career that you have now. Yeah, I very much agree with you. What would you say to other assistants that are probably in the same position as you, but they haven't gotten that confidence yet? They haven't really figured that out yet, like you have right now. What would you say to them to maybe help them figure out how to get into a position that you're in? I would say expose yourself to new opportunities. Don't be afraid to ask questions. The only way that you'll ever really be able to get confidence in yourself and your skill set is by asking questions because no one is going to turn you away by you asking for help. In the six years or so that I've been in the industry, I have never had one person tell me I can't help you. They might say, I can't help you right now, yep. but I'm more, I want to help you. And mm-hmm. like, I've never had someone tell me outright, I don't want to help because I just don't want to help. It's always been a very open community and there's so much knowledge there. And I think to anyone who doesn't have that confidence quite yet, it's it's okay. Like it's okay not to have that confidence, but don't be afraid to ask questions because the only way you're going to build that confidence and be able to build your skill set is by asking those questions. And even if you're afraid that the question sounds silly, no one is going to make fun of you for how silly your question may sound. No one is going to tell you no. Um, They'll, they'll work with you whatever way they can to help you get to that point where you can feel confident enough to make those tough decisions and be able to bring your knowledge to the table and be confident enough to say, I can do this. I know I can help you guys make the workflow better. Um, the other thing I would say is find a mentor. Find someone that you really vibe with at the office or your freelance career, whoever it may be. It doesn't have to be someone at your studio. Um, It could be someone from outside the studio. Mm -hmm. It could be your friend down the street. Just find someone that you admire and that you respect and that you feel confident enough to talk to and ask more personal questions about what, how should I negotiate my salary? How should I word this email to people? You know, like how should I respond to this person with this inquiry and finding that mentor that can work with you and help you achieve your goals will go so far and you'll be building a lifelong connection. I have people that have blessed my life in so many ways, purely because they gave me a chance to hear me out and help me. And I would not be, despite all the wonderful experiences I had in my career, in my very short career so far, in all the different jobs that I've held, the best, best part of all of it has been the mentors and the people that I have met along the way that have said, I want to help you. I know what it's like to be in your position and I want to help you succeed and meet your goals. And that is the best advice I can ever give to anybody who is still trying to find their feet, meet their goals. Just find someone that you really vibe with and find a really good mentor that will kind of stay with you for all the years that you need and then some. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is actually a great time to plug Discord, where there are amazing artists sharing tons of information 24-7. And also Logic Academy Pro, where we have professors there with live content training sessions and that get uploaded afterwards to the site. And I know you're on there too, right? Yeah, you too. It's been awesome. And I think it's a great tool. That's something that I never really had when I first started in the industry, but I Mm -hmm. wish I had it because it's been such an invaluable tool. And again, you meet so many interesting people. It's awesome. And it's a great great tool to find people that can help you with whatever problems you have, work or personal. (laughs) On Discord too, there's people like around the world are on there. So you will see some people from Australia, New Zealand, just hanging out. (laughs) I know John's in there a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I ask him lots of questions as well. And he'll be hanging out in a room and get the screen share and ask questions. So definitely is a good spot to get started. There's no wrong questions. There's no dumb questions. Ask whatever questions you want. And so that can that is a start for some people to have that safe space is to jump on Discord, ask the questions, even on the forum too. Yeah. I've noticed anyone can ask anything and you will get five different answers for the same question of five different ways to go about it. And the same thing with the Logic Academy Pro I've noticed too. Uh, I've been watching some of the sessions that uh, Renee just did on there. Amazing going into projection and mapping. I love it. I absolutely love it. So I highly encourage everyone to check it out. But yeah, that's definitely another safe space. So you actually bring up a really, really good point. Have that safe space, have a mentor, keep pushing through to help find that confidence. Yeah, for sure. It's again, it's uh, 
the the Discord server I haven't been a part of for a very long time, but it's already been proving an invaluable resource. Good. And uh, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It's great. I like how Randy restructured everything on there. There's so many good people on there. So yeah, I really agree with you. Finding that mentorship and building that confidence and moving forward and start with Discord. Yeah. Get on there. Ask questions. Yeah. And especially especially for the younger people, even the older people, it doesn't really matter who. It's very user-friendly. There's not a very difficult learning. Mm-hmm. It's not like Flame. It's not a difficult learning curve. It's a very easy, <laughs> it's a very easy interface to work with. And I really enjoy that very much about the software. It's very intuitive. I think the whole team that put the server together did an incredible job because it's so easy to navigate and it's very clearly labeled. You know, if you have questions, you go here. If you just want to shoot the shit, part of my French, it's, there's a spot for that too. Um, there's like, there's a color spot. Like it, it's just, it's just a great, great resource. And I, I really can't say enough good things about it. And, and I, I wish it had existed six years ago and I, and I hope it really helps a lot of people for the years to come. Cause it's just an invaluable resource that it's like basically real time help. How do you pronounce your name real quick? It's Alex Y Soda. So the phonetic spelling is Y Soda, like the like the y drink, soda. like Y Soda. <laughs> why not water? Ah. <laughs> well, California, they say soda. Where I'm from, I say pop. Oh yeah. So that was my nickname when I still was playing softball. Um, my nickname was Soda Pop. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Nice. Yeah, very very original. Yeah. So it's Y Soda. Well, thank you so much, Alex Y Soda Pop. This has been great. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's been so fun. Absolutely. This is so cool. I'm, I'm glad that we had the first part of our session talking about motorcycles and being able to bond on that and then, you know, finally getting into the good stuff, you know, with Flame. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely definitely prattled a little bit, but I uh, I hope this helps some people out there. It's, it's honestly, it's been such a wild experience to getting here. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for all the opportunities I've had. And I, I still think back to that same friend from however many years ago and she's still in production too. So it's very funny that like it was a, a happenstance that I was able at the right place in the right time, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know where I would be. I'm sure my career probably would be more linear if it weren't for that, <laughs> for that opportunity, but it worked out, I think the way it meant to. And I think that's all you can really ask for. That's great. Very well said. Well, I, I appreciate this so much. This is so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. This is great. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed being here. Absolutely. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. This episode of The Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to The Logic family our friends at Hot Spring. Hot Spring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. If you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, I highly encourage you to give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com See you next time.